Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're listening to Puck and Roll. Hello, and welcome back to the Puck and Roll podcast. This is our first one back in a while, so we're going to try to make this a fun and interesting one. And we're going to start off with a pretty big topic. As of right now, I'm just joined by Aaron, uh, but Josh should be joining us shortly, and we're very excited to have him back on the first podcast where he's a married man. So it's quite quite a special occasion uh, for him. And yeah, but I think before he arrives, we can, we can start breaking down the the Habs draft class. And uh, well, both me and Aaron were at the draft and uh, experienced it in a very upfront and personal way. Uh, so Aaron, uh, get us started with the draft recap. Okay. Okay. So leading up to the draft, two major things happened. One, a rumor that was later confirmed came out that the National Predators offered us the 15th and the 24th overall picks, as as well as top three league, Yaroslav Askarov, the mm. fifth overall pick. And when we didn't take that, I'm like, okay, clearly they're holding out for a really special player. Who could that be? And then the betting odds shifted to plus 140 for Matthew Mitchkov. The betting odds on Slavkovsky were plus 180. So I'm like, okay, let's go. I've been waiting all year for this. He was he was very hyped. I was I think I was less convinced of uh of the likelihood. I was getting more hopeful, but I was far from convinced. Aaron was all aboard the hype train on the day of the draft. It was yeah. I I was like, okay, you're well, convinced. Yeah, this franchise is saved. We need like we need like a one right D. We can get that in 2024. We'll find the goalie somewhere, but we have our franchise superstar, and uh, we don't have our franchise superstar. We have a top four right defenseman who's very good. David He's very good. is a very very good player, and I I think that, that that's one thing that is very important to make clear because uh he got a lot of um yeah backlash after the selection which disgusting backlash awful like some really really awful things in there and uh I think <laughs> yeah I don't think any player should have to go through uh or any person should have to go through what what he did um. I'm like being he's 18. Punished, like he's being punished for living out yeah. his dream and being picked fifth overall in the NHL draft class, I think is 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 horrifying. But 
in from a from a hockey standpoint, Reinbacher would not have been the player I would have selected uh, at that slot, uh, especially with the trading back options. Uh, yeah. th- th- there were defensemen available at those picks later on. I mean, Nashville picked one in Tanner Melendike, but other options were there. They could have they, they could have taken a big swing on a player like Bo Aiki or something. Or just trade it down from 24 into the second and then comfortably pick a one of those second-tier right-shot defensemen that were like available. He, yeah. And there would have been or a chance. Or they could have just taken that, that, Cam Allen at some point. I feel I like mean, that's, they, that's kind I of mean, a blunder. Like, I mean, they picked Sam Harris over Cam Allen, so I don't think that he well, was high up there. That, that pick, just like we did it last year too. We picked Jared Davidson at 130, passing on Vladimir Grudinin. This year we picked Sam Harris at 133, passing on Timur Mukanov. Like and and Cam Allen. Yeah, and a lot of other players. But w- what's she gonna do? Yeah, and it's an interesting draft class as a whole. I think the Jacob Fowler selection at 69 is an excellent one. Uh yeah. fits Montreal's needs perfectly. Uh I think that he'll he also has some time now to just simmer and marinate in uh, yeah. in the NCAA with Boston College, which is a very strong development program for goaltending. And he's, he's already expressed that he doesn't want to rush it. And then I I think he does all four years. And then I think it's very possible. He, he's very raw. Uh, he he's he's really unconventional in his style of play. And there's there's, there's a lot of kinks to work out. But he's yeah. he's darn effective. Like like betting on save percentage more than he is. And and it's a swing on yeah. save percentage. And uh, he stepped it up even further in the playoffs. And I mean, Youngstown won. The championship like yeah like he led them to a championship and uh usually 18 year old goaltenders aren't that dominant in the ushl but fowler was and i think it's a really smart swing for the habs and i was getting a bit hopeful after that pick uh that the rest of the draft would be similar high value upside swings but uh the next pick i think dampened my my, my hopes on that front a little bit yeah so with 101st overall pick, where many, many high upside, even pretty decent floor players were around. And I hear from the Hamilton Bulldogs, I'm like, wait a damn minute, who's on Hamilton that would be going in the fourth round? Nobody, I, I didn't expect Florian Jacka to be drafted in the draft. Me like, you're talking about a 19-year-old with 25 points in 68 games, playing, like... Look, 14 minutes a night in the OHL. Thing is, Jack guy, Florian Jack guy is a good OHL piece. He's he's probably like a third, like a bit of a third line OHLer. Hamilton wasn't the strongest team this year, but for me, it's difficult to rationalize spending your third draft pick in a year where you were tanking on a player who, as a D plus one forward, was significantly under half a point a game in the ohl and uh i've watched a fair bit of him live i i was never intrigued enough to even like consider putting him on my watch list let alone ranking yeah. him he's he's he plays with violence and intensity like like arbor does but unlike arbor jack guy who in the ohl was, was mesmerizing on the ice, uh, like flashing some really impressive tools. Like he could, he would go end to end in possession of the puck. He'd try some wacky dangles and he was creative and effective, very strong defensively. And Florian Jacki spends 
a similar amount of time in the box as Arbor did, uh, which is not the greatest. But when he's on the ice, he's kind of there. He's, he, he, he's an OHL body. I, I I love the family story of it. I think it's quite beautiful. I, I love underdog tales and that, that they both grew up Habs fans in Ontario and now both are members of the Habs yeah. organization, I think is really beautiful. And, and like, you know what? If if we picked him at 197, fine. It's our seventh round flyer. Yeah. We're going to take, like, we don't have to hit with our seventh round. It's an round early draft. fourth round draft pick. It's a. It was the third pick in the fourth round or the it, fifth pick. In, like, it was. It, I mean, it, it was the third pick of the Habs draft class, which I, I yeah. think is what is what concerns me the most here. Uh, but look, it's, it's a swing, I guess, on family lineage. And, and, and look, if, if Florian's development curve mirrors Arbor's, he's going to be a disgusting player this season. Yeah. And then maybe, but I think at that point you're, you're almost swinging on him. You're banking on a unicorn development curve. That's. And, and matching risky. his brothers. It's also, I think, applying a lot of pressure onto Florian because there's now the expectation that his development curve is as unique and 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 weird as Arbor's in terms of it happens, but just very very late. Uh, so I don't I don't know. That pick was probably the most confusing one in the draft class for me. Where I was also I was looking around to all the other public scouts around us when the Habs announced that selection, just a kind of wide eyed, and everyone just gave me the wide eyed glance back of just like, uh, okay, that is a selection. Like, um it's it's look I, it's mean to say it was a wasted pick because he could i don't i, I don't think out. it's a wasted pick it's just i think especially with what the there's Habs no have way to say that he was the highest value option and and it's with everything the Habs have communicated like they, they, they've said we need more skill we want intelligent skilled uh, players who can fit the modern game and florian jack is if he develops perfectly you're getting a Michael Pozzetta. Yeah. Per- and and like, that's a perfect development. Like if he stays which is, on this curve, like where he is right now on a normal development curve, you have a fourth line AHL player. Yeah. Bottom six AHL or likely. The bottom yeah. six, because he doesn't have yeah, the type of offensive skill to be a top six player. I haven't seen it yet. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping. I, he, I'd, he... I'd love for it to happen. Exactly. Like, like it's an insanely likable story. He seems this like a likable guy. And he plays a type of style that, if he can fill out his game, is going to be really effective. I mean, but you adore Michael on, Pizzetta. Like, like, I adore he, Michael Pizzetta. But, he could be Michael Pizzetta. But Michael but, Pizzetta was the 160th overall pick seven years ago. Who and came he's now off, a 13th forward. Who came off like an 85-point OHL season as one of the youngest captains in the league. Like, you're not talking about the same thing here. Mm-hmm. Best pick out of the 2016 draft, in my opinion. But... But yeah, the Habs have made some other interesting swings, I guess, in the fourth. I mean, Bogdan Konyushkov at one ten is genuinely intriguing. Um, Very intriguing. I've 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 watched a couple clips of him, uh, and they kind of match the excitement I was hearing on the draft floor uh, and among public and NHL scouts that liked him quite a bit. And people who uh, knew about him his... really liked the pick. He's, I hadn't he's... heard of him at all until. Oh, neither had I. Yeah. And and uh, but this is this is a puck moving right shot defenseman who is playing first pairing minutes as an undersized twenty year old in the KHL. That's a really intriguing profile to me. And and I watched a little bit. I I don't 
I don't think the upside here is elite or anything, but obviously it's a fourth round draft pick. You don't expect elite upside. Uh, but I think it's a really, really fun swing to make in the fourth round. I think I was a little bit frustrated that the Habs made two Russian picks in the fourth and fifth rounds and passed on the Russian in the first. Yeah, because uh, we, we got a guy who signed a three-year extension immediately after the draft. Instead of drafting the guy that already had that extension in place. Yeah. Yeah. But like, Which, look, with with Kanyushkov, he plays a style of game that fans are going to love if he comes over and he makes the NHL. A couple of ifs there. A couple of ifs. There's a couple of ifs. I I think the floor is a little higher than you think. Just because... It's, just a, it's a style of play, yeah. right? Like, like, this is an undersized puck limit defenseman, which is a profile I adore. It's also not exactly a high floor profile. Like, yeah. yes, he's playing big KHL minutes right now, but this could be the type of player who... Like, like look, look at Chris Weidman. Chris Weidman dominated the KHL for a season, then came to Montreal. That's true. And it was a replacement level six, number six defenseman. And he's also kind of that undersized kind of puck moving guy, I guess, like like, like, like PP2 type of player. That's kind of what I envision Kanyushkov being in all life. And also, if Kanyushkov continues his development, he played in the VMHL last year or the VMNL or something. I don't don't even know what it's called, but it's not a good VHL. No, it's below the VHL. He wasn't in the. Uh, let me let me just Google it one second. And and MHL, but it was two games. It was two ga- like it's two games. He was he was in the VHL. He was in the VHL, so that's ECHL level. But 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 NMHL, he was in before that. So he, yeah, he, he he has he has bounced around a little bit in terms of the leagues. But and then he was just an interesting KHL main stay this year. It's definitely an interesting. I, pick. Look, I'm okay I mean, I, I was really happy that I was able to talk to people about it. Yes. Because the people who knew about him were mad that he was gone at one time. Yes. Because, like, I mean, there's a reason we hadn't heard of him. No, Nobody was talking about him in the public sphere. No. And, no. Uh, yeah, I, I like him a lot. He plays with a lot of physicality along the boards. He has amazing stick work. He's an analytical darling. But there, there are a lot of ifs. It, again, we'll see in three years. Once his contract is up, uh, or if the Habs are able to get him out before the contract ends, yeah. who knows? I mean, like, um, Torpedo is not the wealthiest organization in the world, so you have a but, shot. At. Eh, but it's also a thing of he will be playing a massive role for that team, and losing yeah. him would be dire. So they might have to cling on harder than other teams would. Uh, at 128, uh, Quentin Miller, uh, as as it was uh, beautifully announced in yeah. Québécois Franglais uh, at, in Nashville. QMJHL uh, goalie put up good numbers in 20 starts this 20 games this year. Um, small sample, but pretty what consistent. really intrigues me there is the uh, Rampart traded their starter. Yeah. To Rouen uh, Lorando. Uh, so. Yeah. Miller is their starter next year in his second season in the queue. That, if you have a Memorial Cup winning team that's willing to take that risk, maybe there's something there. And he was really good in his 20 games. So it's a, it's a we'll swing see. on a goalie. We'll I, I'm okay with it. Like, I, and then we can do the, the next goalie right away. We have to, uh, to take one, to to take one Q pick. There has to be one pick from the queue in the draft. This is this is this is true, and yeah. and I think there are worse worse swings to take in within the queue. Um, better ones maybe too, but especially when you consider that the Habs also pick Evgeny Bolokin at one forty four, another goalie. Um, 
that's three goalies in this class and all swings on state percentage, which I don't mind. I really don't. Uh, but I don't know. It's it, it's it's weird to me because like I'm curious if the Habs are that pessimistic around Jakub Dobesh that they had to use a third of their picks this year on goaltenders because I've thought that Dobesh's uh, progression has been very impressive. I think uh, we have a pretty good idea on where they stand on Caden Primo now. Oh, yeah. But Caden Primo is going to be gone. Uh, on waivers, Joe Verbedek, pretty Verbedek's soon. going to be gone. Like, a lot of these guys are going to be gone. Um, I mean, they they even added Stress Man. Like, like they're adding another yeah. goaltender to the fold. Uh, so there's going to be some turnover there. Yeah, they, sure. they added two. Stress Man and another one in the ECHL, I think. For the ECHL. I'm thinking mainly of the top There was an two. AHL. D- Wait, who was it? One second. It doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. As long as it, like, yeah. Um, do you really have to check? No, because it I doesn't matter. Z- Zachary it's the ECHL. A- okay, okay. Zachary Amo, and he has like insanely <laughs> good numbers for some reason. One this is going to be your Nick Baudin. You're going to project him as a future NHL starting goaltender when he's 23 years old and okay, has never played Nic- Nicola, the ECHL. Nicolas Baudin has potential. I will. Nick Baudin, if potential. everything goes right, is Chris Weidman. And everything has to go right for that. Like, everything. I think top four potential is a bit a bit optimistic there. Uh, but at 133, the Habs picked Sam Harris, uh, who I really haven't watched um, at all, uh, but was good in the USHL. I, I must have watched him in passing a couple times, but I, I didn't outright notice him. I think also having more goals than assists in your, like, what, 19-year-old USHL season is, is also he a not bit of a red flag for me. Sorry? Is he not a D plus two? He, uh, uh, he no, because he's, he's an October fourteenth birthday. He's a he D is one. playing on one of the worst teams in the uh, USHL. Yeah, and and I mean, look, he went a point a game, um, and thirty goals, twenty six assists. It's okay. I, it was really hot. Like, like there were still a lot of names on the board that I was really intrigued by at this point. Like. Picking him over Cam Allen to me is strange with the Habs' lack of right D depth. And yes, Cam Allen did not have a good season. And there are decision-making question marks there, for sure. But but was there any reason you should have fallen to 136? This is my thinking. Unless he was bombing interviews, which yeah. obviously... Was which is entirely possible. In the like, public, we don't know. But then but we also know that some players that did bomb interviews still, still went, went crazy high. high. Yeah. So, eh, who knows? Um. Philip Erickson is an interesting high floor, low ceiling guy. I, I watched a little bit of him after the draft and thought he was totally okay. Um, I don't know. I I, I have no idea. Uh, he's and he's like at this point, you're guy. talking about a sixth round pick. Like at the, at the same time, look, last year the Habs picked Adam Engstrom, and I was like, eh very met around that selection and uh i'm now very enthusiastic about that selection in retrospect so i i think kanyushkov is our engstrom this year possible but i'm thinking more in terms of like the swedish base base oh, yeah. being the one to well actually sam harris is half like has swedish i know he's half swedish yep yeah but God, we just can't tra- we can't stop drafting swedes yeah and then and then finally luke middlestat who is a nice pick and I'm, I'm happy about him having gotten a selection i don't know if uh, he wouldn't have been the guy i would have picked there but it's one it's a pick that i'm totally comfortable with in the seventh round he was yeah. really good at the u20 world junior championship this year he's been just rock solid in the ncaa consistently and uh he deserves to get picked 
in his draft year. He deserved to get picked last year, and he deserved to get, to get picked this year. So I'm glad that someone did. I just, yeah, it's a, it's yeah. if he tops out, he's likely a number six defenseman. Uh, but it's a fun little like underdog story, and I think he's progressed a lot in the last two years. So who knows? Maybe maybe Look, there is I, a higher ceiling there than I am currently envisioning. I'm really happy he got picked. But if we're going to draft somebody whose likely ceiling is a number five or number six defenseman, could it at least be on the right? Because, like, at this point, you have nine guys that can be a number six left defenseman. Yeah, pretty much. If we're going to try to, like, address, take take a high upside center or winger, take fourth goalie for all I care. But or there's... or just pick Francesco Della Alce if you want to go with the left. Exactly. Like you're gonna you're gonna bring him to training camp anyways. Get him before he like blasts off in the BC. Like and and middle stats value is likely not going to skyrocket in the next year, whereas Della Alce is very reasonably could. Like and... I can see him being a top 100 pick next year. I, I he's can also, too. He's a young birthday. Like I, I think it could be like a, a Riker Evans situation where he got where he gets passed over and then goes top sixty four the year after. I can like, see it. I it, again, it all depends how he how he does in in Penticton, but uh, yeah, he's he's good. He's really fun. He's raw. He ha- he has he has a lot of growing to do, but he's he's off to the BCHL before he even goes to the NCAA. Like he has at least five years. And he's so drafting a guy who's almost three years younger than Middlestad. Yeah. Like you're waiting longer, but you might get a really interesting player out of it. And like I am I hundred percent he... confident that they'll all say is going to be better than Middlestad? No. But do I think in three years they'll all say it's going to be better than Middlestad? Yeah. I think there's a I think it's more likely that Middlestad ends up as technically a better player than Delalse, but I think the likelihood of Delalse being an impact player is significantly higher than Middlestad's. I don't see any top four upside with middle stat, and I do see some with Del- with say whereas and, I don't really see bottom pairing potential for like, Delalse. He plays the, too the thing too with chaotic. Bottom pairing for Luke Middlestat is teams don't like that type of player on their bottom pairing. That too. Like that it's too. it's a tough situation because I I love like I love that he got drafted. I was rooting for him last year too. Just he doesn't fit our scheme at all. Montreal's not the most sensible place for him to have landed. Um, yeah, this big log but, jam. Yeah, uh, it's, it's just it's, it's odd because so many players would have to move for him to even get a chance. Yeah, and he deserves a chance. He does for sure. He does. It's just the Habs but like Griffin's, have a log jam, and he, he can be our ninth left defenseman in the system playing bottom pairing minutes in the ECHL. Like if guys like, like William that, Trudeau yeah. don't even have a path really to the NHL in the Habs organization, I don't think Luke Middlestat will. Exactly. Um, like I, I think the best route for him would be send them to Europe, maybe to develop. They did the same thing with Tulini last year. Yeah, and I, I that was good for him. Second tier Slovakian hockey, but like there's no way he even cracks the AHL with our depth. And do you really want to throw a five eleven? 175 pound guy into the ECHL. Eh, sure. Eh. Cam Hill can do it. I think if, if he can do it, Middlestad can easily. Cam Hills is, was never a very big, strong guy. Bro, Cam Hillis had one hell of a year last guy played an NHL game in a season where he played like 25 ECHL games. Oh, way, way I just, more I ECHL, love that. I think. Yeah, yeah. Like he, interesting storyline for Cam Hillis, but. I think as a whole, the Habs draft class was uh, weird. 
I think weird is the is the closest I've gotten to describing it accurately with how I feel about it. It's yeah. it's the most confounding draft class of any team in the NHL this season, in my view, in terms of okay, yes, I can understand like okay, they picked a like a right D at five and three goalies. Those were two areas of weakness. I understand that for sure. What I don't understand as much is how they are using their assets. If you wanted a goalie and you wanted a right D. The trade of Askarov and at least 15th overall, yeah. I, I don't think 24 is confirmed to have been included in that in, in that offer, but at the very least it's 15 and Askarov yeah. and another pick. We don't know what, if that's the first rounder or a second or a third. But if you need a goalie, I would make that trade. And it can always flip. You, you could have flipped like 15 or 24 15. for an existing right shot defenseman in the NHL. Like I think I'm I would have approached that something. differently. I would have approached differently than that if if they were like really 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 tunnel vision on needing to 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 work on defense and goalie in the prospect yeah. pool. And Nashville's offer for five, I think, was really enticing uh, because if, like if you weren't look, going to pick Mitch Kyle or Benson. The, or I mean, I, I, I love I love J- I love Jacob Fowler. I think he was a great pick. I agree. I think Quinton Miller has potential. I think Evgeny Volokin has really good numbers. Do I think any of them have a shot to be a better goalie than Yaroslav Askarov? No. No. Of course not. Of course not. But, yeah, I don't know. It, it's a it's kind of a strange strategy, I think, as a whole, that the Habs employed at the draft. Uh, I'm I'm curious to see how it ages. I think I think my, my biggest issue with the draft class isn't even the picks themselves. I, I would have really appreciated if the Habs have been very transparent as to why they're making these selections, whereas... Really, their like their public like rationale for the moves was really like, oh, Reinbacher is for us the the play that made the most sense in this spot, and 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 he'll be here soon and whatever. But they were very wishy washy on the on, on answering questions. And then our, and, our literal and, and, general and, and manager is like, yeah, it's, he's it's a, a number two enough, second power play. Aaron, Aaron, stop! It's a strange enough draft class that you need to communicate why you're making these picks, and if you do and do so well. I can be okay with it, totally. But I don't think that they, communi- that they communicate with the fans very well. And I think as a result, fans way overreacted and also started going off after Reinbacher personally yeah. to vent their frustration with the draft class. Whereas if the Habs had communicated that better, I think they could have insulated Reinbacher from that. But all in all, a very, very strange draft class. But uh, Aaron, final thoughts on the, on the class Okay, I'm not going to call it bad because I think we made some good picks in there. But there's no way to rationalize it to say that we had the highest value draft we could have had. Oh, last last season, it's entirely possible we had one of the highest value drafts we could have had because Slavkovsky is a unicorn. I don't think he's going to be like an uh, elite, elite player. But you see the stuff he's doing. He just raised his like pulmonary capabilities by 20% using some weird science in Sweden. Like, what other player is doing stuff like that? He's he's a special guy. And then Meshar has a crazy high ceiling. I still like him a lot as a, as a prospect. Crazy? I would say he has second line he has a, I wouldn't say cra- a, a crazy high is... I, I, I'm Lander not as in love as Yuri Kulik as a lot of people, than a lot of people are. So I... Like, Meshar would have been, barring Lane Hudson, like, my third-ranked player at that point. Like, I think we made a good pick. I agree it was a, de- it was a decent selection. Um, 
I, I had him ranked 18th overall. I, I liked him a lot, yeah. uh, but it, it just, it wouldn't have been a conversation with like for me between him and Brad Lambert. Like it's just, it's well, a thing of course of like, not. but you, you, you picked Lambert here and, and then you get yeah. a guy, a second rounder that's already played an NHL game. I don't care about the circumstances in Owen Beck. You have basically a guy that's emergency be recall. I don't care. He played in nine minutes of NHL ice time and it was glorious. Bad. And and the results were bad. Like like the, the metrics were bad. I don't uh, care. Which is, I mean, which look is at his normal. Line base. He was 18. Poor guy. Or 19. And then yeah. you draft Elaine Hudson at 62nd. Roar looks good. Engstrom looks good. Gang Dong was decent. Gang looks good. Tulini. Tulini is uh like for a guy in the seventh, sure. Yeah. And then, oh God, we, we drafted a couple other people. It doesn't matter. Jared we Davidson, a... Terry Nurmi. Yeah, yeah, Terry Nurmi. Couple. He's kind of dropped picks. off the face of the earth a little bit. But whatever. Like, if you miss on two picks, but then you have six guys that everybody's like, yeah, they look really good for their draft slots, you did good. And it wasn't the type of draft where it took a year. Engstrom people were skeptical. But when you come out of the draft with Owen Beck and Lane Hudson in your second round, Everybody's already happy. Exactly. That, I mean, besides the fact that we didn't pick between 5 and 69, which I think was a serious problem and it's for a team that's rebuilding, having two picks in the top 100 is just odd. Like, yeah, we I just, mean, we didn't have that type of effect where you leave the draft with a couple guys saying, we made really value, high value selections here. If they don't work out, they don't work out. But we made the type of picks that will get us contending one day. Yeah, I, I think, I think this draft contains a ton of question marks. And look, I, I, I would love to, to, to change my tune on, on this with time. Um, but it, it was very far from the type of draft class that I, that I would have picked with the same, with the same slots. But uh, yeah, I think as a whole, it was a very, definitely an interesting class in Montreal. Like it, it gets us talking. Clearly, like we've been rambling for ages, uh, and definitely very, very yeah, interesting. Um, but we have now added Josh to the call. So, Josh, welcome back to the pod. Uh, as a married man, how does it feel? It's been great. Can't can't complain at all. How is the honeymoon? Still in the honeymoon phase, but oh, uh, yeah. oh, honeymoon to uh, Newfoundland, the rock, beautiful. Tons nice. of birds, tons of hiking. It was just, it was like 15 degrees, which is way better than the 30 plus degrees that we've been dealing with with Ontario lately. So that's so nice. That's been great. And uh, I don't know if you guys talked about this already, but how was the draft? You guys got to tell me everything. I was just missing yeah. out. It would seem amazing out there. I mean, we may as well give a little, little, little yeah. bit of an info on, on our experience at the draft. I mean, we met a ton of awesome people, uh, lots of people in the public scouting sphere, made some friends, uh, made some slightly hazy memories. Uh, and <laughs> Nashville uh, is an amazing city. It was very entertaining. And and uh, yeah, I had a blast. I, I thought it was great meeting so many people that I've interacted with so much online already and I think just having like the media access pass from draft is kind of surreal. Like I'm like, just like walk by people that you saw on TV when I was like five years old. And I was like, I have the same access pass as you. Like this feels weird. This, this, this feels wrong, but I, I took it happily. And 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, hey, Aaron, you had interesting experiences with that too. I mean, like uh, Yarmo Kekalainen was behind you in the hot in, in the in the burger line. Oh my god, it was so catering. Oh, such a nice guy, by the way. Like, <laughs> I'm, I mean, he's he, like... I, I'm guessing he kind of knew at that point because a lot of people were starting to figure out that Carlson was going to. That man was just beaming, like. He, he knew was, he was he getting fat tilly. He was fantastic. He was the one. He was one GM that was kind of in the like the, like the public area and just like didn't care and just he's yeah. just kind of hanging out there. Like when, at this point, like, you're all getting the people walking by him. He just didn't care. It was cool. I'm like I, I'm sure from he him. knew that he was getting Gavin Brindley and like William Whitelaw. Like he he had his plan and he was just gonna roll with it. Yeah, but yeah it was it was definitely a cool experience and uh we had a blast uh we don't have to talk i mean look we got we got we got very lucky with our departure being an early morning flight on oh the day God. after day two of the draft because a lot yeah. of the friends we made got stuck at the nashville airport for anywhere between 10 and 30 hours afterwards uh and had to like sleep on like the not so clean carpets of the nashville Air- airport uh, which is also a much smaller airport than you'd expect for a city that size it's, uh, it's cozy, yeah. uh, to put it lightly, and uh, I think we we fe- I felt very compassionate when it was like the day after I got back home and people were still stuck at the airport, and I was like, oh go- oh no, oh no. Ugh. But and uh, we also we happened to be at our layover in, in Atlanta when the last remaining Atlanta Thrasher on the Winnipeg Jets got bought out in Blake Wheeler, so we just saw like the oh, entire yeah. Atlanta Thrashers organization fall apart. Finally, while completely. we were in Atlanta. While we were in oh, Atlanta, it, it was it was kind of beautiful. Beautiful? Oh wow! I didn't know that. Because you had such hatred I can guarantee you that <laughs> no other dirty in your youth, huh? No other person at the airport had any idea what was going on because nobody cares about hockey. <laughs> I want them to get another team. I feel like if they do it properly, it can work. But I don't think anybody there was like, "Oh no, Blake Wheeler got bought out." <laughs> I mean, we, we were at the airport. I it's think a so lot of people there were, were there for connections, but but no, it was, it was a really cool experience. But uh, back back to the hockey talk. Enough of our, our boring lives and experiences. Um, back to the hockey talk. Uh, so, and hockey talk sounds so similar to honky tonk. I just realized, and Nashville memories still came back. Nashville country boys. You listened boys, to country yeah. music the entire week. It was well. I mean, I felt I felt responsibility to do, to do so, and considering you have that to. I'm not going to listen to country music for the next uh, while to compensate, I'm okay <laughs> with it. Uh, but anyways, to refocus, uh, we were indeed at a, actually at a honky tonk bar when the when the Alex Newhook trade broke. So let's talk about the. The new hook trade. Uh, how do you guys feel about giving away 31, 37 and Gianni Fairbrother for Alex Newhook? I felt better about it when it happened at, compared to when it all kind of shook down at the draft because, like, he's it's the same story as uh, Kirby Doc last year, but on a smaller scale. Um, but just the way that Montreal used their draft capital and draft pick this year, I think could have been more well used. Like I like the addition of new hook. I think he's got skill and he's got the drive. Like he counted and said afterwards that he wasn't feeling it in Colorado. They weren't giving him the opportunities he was looking for. Cause it's a deep forward 
team established forward group. So he's definitely going to get all the chances to succeed in Montreal. I think he will, but not to the heights that Ock did in this past year. But I just think the skill and talent that they passed up on the 31s, those 30s picks are a little bit steep for me, especially when they didn't manage to get any more draft capital this draft until the, was it the third round that they picked again? Yeah. Yeah. Fowler. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just think with such a deep draft class to not have any picks between five and 69 is just soured the deal for me. Like I thought they'd be able to get a few picks in the middle there. Um, but I'm excited and interested to see what Newhook does. I think he's got, he's definitely got gas and tank left and a chip on his shoulder. So I think he'll be good. I just think what they left on the table was a little bit too much for me. I, I think the contract extension did make it better. Not that anybody was expecting we weren't going to get a contract extension like this, but four times 2.9 is, it's a nice number. It's And he stays an RFA at the end of it, which is key. yeah. If he's a third line left winger, that's still a fine salary for him. If he's more than that, we have a great deal. So that that's a win-win. The actual assets we gave up was a lot because of what he's done in Colorado. With Kirby Doc, you were getting a third overall pick from three years ago, who had been playing top six minutes already, not doing amazing in them, but still. And he's six three, he's fast. Not that I'm like a big size guy, but still, Alex yeah. Newhook, you're getting him same draft class a year later. He's 5'10". I don't really like... I I think he's super skilled. I think he's going to be a great hab. But if you're putting so much emphasis on trying not to be a small team, acquiring another 5'10 guy just doesn't really make that much sense to me. And it's easy to say... That like nobody really hits at 31 and 37, but it's not a matter of the people that go 31 and 37. It's who we like. If you look at the guys who went 32 and 38 in some drafts, you're looking way better. So do I think either of those guys would have been higher upside players than Alex Newhook? Depends on who we drafted. That's all we can say. And it's a lot of what ifs. But Newhook's a hab now. I really wanted to do great. I think he brings something fun to the team. It's not the fun thing that I would have been targeting with those picks if the plan was to trade them. I would have been going after a right tee. I I think that Newhook is an incredible fit with the Habs. I think I think it's it's seamless. Um, I think he, he like in terms of age uh, with the contract now. I would have tried to get it up to six years at least, but. But four at at such a cheap number is is really really palatable, obviously. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think he's awesome. He he brings speed and skill. He's really really fun in transition. The Habs need more pieces that can actively carry the puck through the neutral zone. Uh, he plays with incredible pace. Um, he has a fun little physical game. So while he is five ten, I think his physicality will be closer to Nick Suzuki's than to. I don't know the average five ten NHLer, uh, but it's it thirty one thirty seven was a hefty price to pay in this draft class. I think if Jenny Fairbrother's not nothing. 
fair. But the thing is, it, it's I, I agree. He's not. It's not. not he, like he, he's a good AHL defenseman already. I think he could be in a, a number six. But he's just he's so surplus to requirements yeah. for the Habs, where it's not even really a consideration of what the Habs gave up for me right now. Because I think for Colorado, he's a good piece to add. But for Montreal, it's barely even. We have so much surplus at that one position. Yeah. Way oh, too yeah. much surplus. Like you have to move some of that value out uh, while 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 they're still under contract. And but picks 31, 37 is steep in this year. I mean, saw the players who went in those slots being Mikhail Gulyayev and, uh, Ethan and, and Ethan Gauthier. Both have been really fun. I mean, Gulyayev would not have made much sense for Montreal, but he's really fun and he could be something really good in Colorado. Uh, I don't know. It, it, it's a bit of a tough one. I, 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 I adore the idea of adding new hook and I think the contract is excellent. I think his fit in the top six will be very, very good if you give it a year or two. Uh, for him to really, really grow into that top six role, but he he should have it from the get go. I I would hope, uh, but it's a it's a steep price, and I, it would have been different to me if they would have added another second round pick or another two or two more thirds in other ways for this draft. But as you were saying previously, having two top hundred picks in a year where we were tanking, just it hurts and and the Habs are still lacking that elite level skill and much as I adore Alex Newhook I don't think that top line ceiling is there anymore I think you could still become a really fun electrifying second line guy on an elite contender I just I, I can't see there being first line upside there which is totally fine I just I wish the Habs would have spent those assets uh to either swing on players that could become the that pieces that are that valuable or to trade for someone with, even if there's more risk involved, someone that could be that style of player at the top of a lineup. Because realistically, that that is what the Habs are lacking. They have yep. a ton of middle six caliber guys. Every, and everybody Newhook, agrees. That and Newhook is a high-end middle six caliber guy, but he is a middle six caliber guy. And we and, have and think, the... Yeah, it's tough. We have the, like, analytically, we have the second best prospect pool in the league, and like the seventeenth best star talent, yeah, it's all depth. It's entirely depth. It's like our only star graduated. It's Caulfield. Yeah, he is the Slavkovsky, highest. Slav, yeah, could, Hudson, if it works, Hudson, yeah, Hudson, yes, yeah, a couple. But again, it's middle of the pack in terms of star power for NHL, in terms of NHL e models. Um, you go back think... to every single Cup win, barring twenty nineteen, and there's a star forward on the roster. I mean, the Habs could have that with Caulfield, technically, right? It's more just, I, like, the way the Habs are planning it, I think it, it, the reason it concerns me is I think they're very optimistic in terms of what level they can get their players to. And I think I love that, that they are confident in their development staff. I just, it's a lot of confidence put to put into your development staff of saying, okay, we have six players here that could be top six caliber players. We might have three that could be top one caliber guys. We're set. Okay. Yeah. That's what scares mm-hmm. me of, I think you need a best case scenario in order to develop the, what the Habs currently have into a good top six on, on and I like, think that high end contending that, team. One, you got to split up Caulfield and Suzuki. I think Doc and Caulfield is a good combination to go forward with. I think Newhook would be a good, a good complement to that line. If you're yeah. trying to have a top six with, with interchangeable lines. And then you have like Suzuki, Slavkovsky, Raphael Hargenard. Yeah, RHP for now. This, this year, 
but like or Gallagher or Suzuki, Anderson, like you have you have yeah. players that can fill those holes. Suzuki's never gonna be the point per game flashy offensive guy, but he has he, he, could, he could be a point of game. Sure, maybe, he could but, be a point of game. Yeah. He's close. He's, but he's, he's not. He's not a dynamic player. offensive talent who will break games apart. Yes, he's way more valuable as a guy putting up fifty five points who's in the Selkie conversation, which he was in his first season. He's going to be putting up more than, than, than that. Yeah, I know like, it's going to be more than that. But bring back defensive Suzuki. Because I agree. that's I, way I, I more think, valuable of a piece. I think you should develop Suzuki to be the OP version of Philip Deneau. That's what I would do. Uh, I, I think that, that the Habs sort of yeah. kept Philip Deneau as well. And that would have been great. Uh, and you could have had him just <laughs> mentor under Deneau. But that clearly didn't happen. Uh because five million dollars was too steep. Um, no, no, but... no. Five was fine. Five and a half wasn't. Oh, sorry, sorry. I apologize. It's the it's that half the million. Details. Yeah, you need half a Chris Weidman. That's that's the oh, no. sticking point. Yeah, <laughs> like but... one seventh of a Yoel Armia. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. It it's 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 an interesting trade. I, I like I like the strategy of spending draft picks on players that have developed. Like, like decently well in the last three years, but there's enough question marks where the teams that pick them want or are, are interested in selling. I think it's an interesting strategy and I think it could pay off. I just, I'm afraid if that is their main strategy for team building. Like and... unless their plan is to kind of mirror New York and sign their Panarin when they come out. So that would be Dreisaitl or Kaprizov. And once the cap goes up, they throw like $15 million at one of them. And that's our star player. But Panarin hasn't worked out that well in New York. So Sure he has. He's been great I mean, in New no, York. He, he's amazing. What playoff success have they had? They went to the doesn't Eastern matter. Conference doesn't, Final doesn't and got matter. crushed. It doesn't matter. Like, 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 like Panarin's one of the best UFA signings of all time. Like, like that really can't be the example here. Like in terms of UFA signings in the last like 10, 15 years, you I don't think you can point to four that are better than Panarin. Like it, it's aged really nicely. Um, like he's putting up consistently like a hundred points a season. <laughs> like I think I think they're they're perfectly happy with Panarin. Um, but there are all other team building issues in New York, obviously. But yeah, I think that 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 concern is merited. That that they're trying to apply the New York Rangers model onto the Habs because it's not exactly working great in New York. Um. I mean, but, like, if we can snag the first overall pick in 2026, sure. Gavin another year of tanking. Yeah, but, uh, uh, yeah, I think it it's interesting. And I think a trade that, that, that was quite decent was the Joel Edmondson, the, the Joel Edmondson trade. I think, like, getting that, that value back is fine, all things considered. Um, like, with considering that, that Edmondson has had a lot of back injuries and uh, his play this in, in last season was really was not very convincing. I think getting a third round pick back for it in the seventh was pretty good value uh, for the Habs and it opens up a spot more importantly for a young player to take over. Right. So now you have, you have Gooley and Harris and, and Jack I that can all play on their left side if they want to. Um, so that, that, that gives them some nice flexibility, I think, but yeah, it's it's been it's been a strange offseason for the Habs and and I think I was expecting mm-hmm. a bit more bold movement than, than than they've made so far and and perhaps risks that I would be more enthusiastic about than I am. But 
definitely an interesting class as a whole and it's an interesting off season, but are there any other offseason comments from you guys? I mean, we had the Caulfield extension, which of course. Good. I, I like it. it. I it's a good awesome. deal. It's a good Great deal. Contract. It's a really good contract, in my view. Like, and, yes, he's he, he's yeah. one dimensional and limited, I guess, but he's a star player and he, he's gonna score you a lot of goals and you've got him for he, eight years at under eight million. It's great. 48 goals in the 83 games since Marty Saint Louis took over. Exactly. I put him like, uh, what's the weld him to Kirby Doc. Like, connect them to the point where they're like living together, doing everything together. Like, I need them to grow the most chemistry because I think their games are perfect together. And then you find your tertiary piece on that line, which could be Slavkovsky. Or Newhovsky. Or working. You got options. You got options there for sure. This doc is a genuinely elite playmaker. He is so good. Not yet, but he could get there. And I mean, if you give him a guy that can score 50, he could get there. Oh, I think there's such a good combo. I want it to happen really badly. Yeah. If it works, it works. If it works, it works. But I- I'm curious to see what the Habs do in terms of of, of mixing lines this, this year and-, and see which combinations they go for because. I'd be a little bit skeptical if they if they st- if they just like to a fault keep Suzuki and Caulfield attached at the hip because I love their bromance and I think they're awesome together in the power play but at, at even strength I just don't think they complement each other well. They're garbage analytics. Suzuki, like well, Su- Su- Suzuki's at his best when he's able to control the run of play and and play defensively and and yes produce offense but. He's so multifaceted as a player, and that's where his value comes from. Whereas, whereas Caulfield is an all-out guns a blazing goal scorer, and I just I don't think you get the most out of Suzuki by pairing him with Caulfield. I think, and, and I think Caulfield will also benefit by playing with a more daring offensive player like Kirby Doc. I think it'd be great as a combination. But like Suzuki played his best hockey with Thomas Tatar and Brendan Gallagher, not with Suzuki and not with uh, Caulfield and Anderson. So, yeah, obviously mm-hmm. he's putting up more points and it's fun to have our captain on the flashy first line, but he's not the highest end playmaker and his game just doesn't fit that scheme. They're getting crushed in top matchups, whereas Doc in the not as many top matches he took, they were his, his defensive way metrics, smaller. It's way smaller, but the defensive metrics were good, too. Yeah, but he was because he was in a situation to play defense, right? Whereas with with Suzuki and Caulfield, they were told go out and score, like don't care about anything else. And while I think it's fun to give players that free reign, and I I can understand how they got to that conclusion of wanting to give them that that leeway to be creative and to grow offensively, I think that in a vacuum is great. Um, I just I'm questioning if it's a long term strategy rather than a short term one. I think in the short term is totally fine. But in the long term, it's a bit more questionable because I just don't think it plays to Suzuki's strength specifically. I think Coffee is perfectly fine along with Suzuki. I just I think Suzuki really is at his best when he uh, does not have to compensate for playing with Caulfield in the defensive zone. Uh, but yeah, it's I'm very curious to see what the Habs are doing moving forward. Um, but yeah. New customers, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. Bet just $5 to score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And for the last uh, segment of today's episode, let us break down the Habs free agent frenzy, uh, which was tame uh, because they don't exactly have much cap space right now, understandably. And uh, they signed a couple interesting people. Like as previously mentioned, Stress Man, I think is an interesting AHL signing. I think I think he's a goaltender with NHL backup potential, which is something. I think it's interesting to add. Um, who are the other free agent additions that the Habs made? Uh, we added one guy. There are a couple the AHL, AHL players. We added somebody who's actually really fun. Let me just go find his name. Oh, um, Leas Anderson. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's One. not who I was thinking of. But uh, yeah, Leas Anderson is uh, is interesting. Fun. I mean, look, he's he, Gorton is the one who drafted him, uh, or or Bob Rob is the one who drafted him both, uh, in New York at what seventh or ninth overall, and uh, his development there. hasn't exactly gone smoothly. But last season was a really strong one in the AHL. And uh, from every interview, he seems quite uh, quite bullish about cracking the NHL lineup from the get-go in a top-nine role, uh, Honestly, which I think I, is bold. But... I can see the line of Slavkovsky, Anderson, Yelonen working amazing. That's a weird third line. That's a very strange third line. You'd need Dvorak to be traded, though, in order to open up that slot. Oh, uh, I, I'm willing to just wave him at this point. Like, whatever. You can't no 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 no. That's too much wasted value there. He still has some some value. Um, so the guy I was thinking of was uh, Philippe Maillet, who yeah. we signed. Oh in, uh, yeah. yeah. Hmm. I mean, look, he's thirty. I doubt he plays any NHL games this season, but he's a ton of fun. Like he was almost a point per game in the KHL. He's tiny, but he's violent. And look, he's like he he's a fun AHL piece. We gave up a lot of veterans this year. True. So, like, we we lost Belzil, we lost, I don't know, but Richard, yeah, yeah, Anthony Lucio. Yeah, those are the two. Get a shot in Boston. Abandonado. We signed Condotta two years, which was good, but yeah. uh yeah. yeah, he's he's a fun AHL body and small but violent. That's a fun. Uh, and he's a petit gal de chez nous, so. Yeah, it's nice. I mean, despite but, everything, I'm sad to see Druen. Me too. Head out. Like I, I, I like I like time, but... a lot. And and Colorado's a great fit. Like I'm so, watch yeah, them just it's... plug him in on the on the top line where when he's making 800 k is playing with my with with, with McKinnon, McKinnon all over and Rantanen. And Rantanen. He could throw like like again. I think I think he needs to be in a great, great, great situation in a top six to work. But his playmaking game and intelligence are still really high end. Like, yes, the off puck involvement is low. The defensive ability is not great. He's not consistent at all. But with McKinnon and Rantanen, I could see it working. And yeah, no, I, I, I'm feeling pretty confident with him. And, at, I'm... and at 800K, you can do a whole lot worse than Jonathan Drouin. So I... I 
I like that signing for Colorado. I, I like the fact that their two best left wings are now uh, Drouin and Lekkonen. I think that's funny uh, to me. But yeah, it, it's it's kind of interesting. I mean, like, like yeah, the Habs let some people go. Uh, like Gorionov went to Nashville for 800K as well, which was a good move. Like, like Nashville did well there. Uh, I think if the Habs had, had some cap space, they could have easily given I don't him think the it was a question of the cap space. I think it was just... And roll. We have we have so many people fighting for spots at this point. Yeah, yeah, a lot of bodies for sure. I mean, don't give this spot Rem- to Rem- still under contract for two years uh, for what one year. Yeah, you have Pizzetto's on a two year deal now. RHP on a two year deal. Evans still has two years left. Yelon has to resign, but she's Armia has two years left. Dvorak too. Like Mike Hoffman laugh is there is one. Like we yeah. we have we have too many players. We have Gallagher. We have like we've listed twelve players and we haven't even touched our top six yet. So I know, yeah. It's yep. as much as I love Guryanov and as much as I think we could have fixed him. Eh, <laughs> whatever. I'm not losing sleep over, right? Yeah, like me neither. I think it's more of a thing of he could have been a really fun reclamation project, and I'm curious as to why they didn't do it because i didn't think he was awful in the games he played with the habs i think he was clearly flawed because he's a flawed player but there's still runway there and i think i would have tried i would i would have tried to make some space to keep him especially at that price like for 800k for a year easily and because Um, that's our that's all that's that's all that we have left from pk suban it's over now yeah he was the last remaining piece we traded everything it's all over (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but it, it was a kind of a weird free agency because again, Montreal has no cap space or roster space really. Uh, but hey, I mean, it looks like the Habs are relatively set going into next season, apart from having to move out some bodies. I think guys like Armia and Hoffman and Dvorak and maybe even Anderson are potential candidates to get moved. But if they do, it'll probably be for prospects uh, because or, or or picks because or. Or nothing for most of them, or negative yeah. value. The uh, the exciting thing here is last season to make the uh, Monahan trade. Oh, that's another guy we have on forward. But uh, we had to put oh yeah price on off season LTIR, which means we weren't able to use his flexibility. If we put him on in season LTIR, we're gonna have ninety four million dollars of cap space to work with this season. True, mm-hmm. and that's gonna help us facilitate a lot. And that's my one problem with the Edmondson trade is I would have like legit just traded him for futures if we could have kept the retention slot. I think in a flat cap NHL, that's like probably our most valuable asset. But it's more of a thing of of who do you use it on apart like 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 Hoffman, sure. But do you want to use it on on guys with with, with term left like Armia and and Dvorak? It's definitely becoming more common. Like Nashville literally retains six years of Echo with two hundred fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> Yeah, but it's 250k. It doesn't. That's yeah. Not... yeah, but it's it's a slot. True, it is a long term slot. Same thing with with uh, Ekman, Larson, and Arizona now with the buyout. Yeah. Oh, poor them. Honestly, that's a long like, time. The NHL needs to throw them a bone because that's never happened before. <laughs> but but they got rid of most of that contract, which they yeah. shouldn't have been able to do. Considering then how bad Kevin it was Hayes as well. True. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, but like as a whole, the Habs uh, haven't done much since the draft. Uh, it's been quite quiet on that front, apart from the new hook extension, obviously. Uh, but 
Yeah, it's been it's been a weird off season so far. It's been a quiet off season just in the league. Like apart from the the Brinket trade. Yeah. Yeah. Like I we're getting an Eric Carlson trade pretty soon, but still hasn't happened. So hasn't happened yet. Still waiting. Yeah. It's gonna be Pittsburgh, yeah, but I have no idea what they're gonna give up, but it's gonna be Pittsburgh. You think so? I can see it being um, Edmonton. They can it's it's because Carlson wants to go to Pittsburgh. Eh, I, I can understand it. It's just a team with both Latang and Carlson makes no Ooh. sense. Yeah, you need you need some some defensive reinforcements. And apparently, there. apparently, he has like some problems with Brent Burns, and he doesn't want to go to Carolina. Interesting. I mean, they hmm. were teammates up until last season. So yeah, I mean, how cool would a Sleeve and Carlson pairing be? But it doesn't look like we're gonna get it. So apparently not. But. <laughs> Yeah, I think that kind of wraps up this episode of the Puck yeah. and Roll podcast. Uh, I think we're we're getting into the the, the bare bones of the of the free agency talk here, and yeah, we need to save yeah. some things for the rest of the off season because it's going to be a while until we get more updates. So we need to conserve our our our, our, our talking topics. Uh, but yeah, that wraps it up for this one. Thanks to Aaron and Josh for joining me as always, and we'll see you again very soon. Yeah.